morning. So, excuse me. We came to this. It's a pleasure. That, uh, we've just finished a our first kind of uh, sub-series um, titled In Christ, okay, in chapter 1. And you just, uh, if you go in chapter 1, you underline every time it says, it just says, In Christ, In Christ, In Christ, In Christ. And uh, it was all about the power of God, you know, amazingly. And now we're going into this next sub-series uh, called um, The Church Has a Future, all right? The Church Has a Future. And uh, in, in, uh, this is where Paul begins to speak about the church that uh, God is forming, this new creation, this new uh, humanity. And last week, Paul uh, kicked off chapter 2, uh, that incredible just outline summary of the gospel, that we were dead in our trespasses, and then it says, but God, but God, uh, being rich in mercy, uh, because of the great love with which he loved us, has made us alive together with Christ, right? So there's this reconciliation which has happened uh, vertically. And, uh, and, and the verses that we're going to be looking at today, um, Paul, uh, it's quite a similar structure. He says, okay, this is who you were, this is what has happened, and this is who you're growing into. Right? But his focus is now on, on this church that he's writing to, uh, and he's speaking about a, a horizontal uh, reconciliation and a unity um, that he that he that he speaks to us about, and so these are quite dense uh, verses. There's so much uh, in it, and so uh, and so we're really going to need the Holy Spirit this morning. We're just in the prayer meeting. We're like, God, we need you this morning because these verses are like they're quite dense, right? So there's a lot in them. So, but let's read. Let's read. If you've got your Bible, you can turn with me. Otherwise, we'll be online. Ugh, online on the screen. Um, chapter two, uh, verse eleven. Therefore, remember that. <coughs> At one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by, flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Right? That's who we were at one time. And then there's those two incredible words, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, right? And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, all right, looking forward. So then, this is as a result of all of this. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's just take a moment to pray. God, we this morning we just come before you. Just as a church, we just um yeah, we want to put aside just everything that we've got planned and, and God we want to meet with you. Uh, and we want to pray that your Holy Spirit will come and just uh speak to our hearts, apply this truth to our hearts, just this incredible picture of your church who we are becoming, Christ, that you are the cornerstone, the foundation. 
Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We invite you into this presence. There's just, uh, yeah, your presence, uh, we've got a sense of just expectation and anticipation to meet with you this morning, God. We worship you. Amen. Okay, amen. So in these verses, Paul uh, starts uh, with a reminder, right, to the readers of this letter. He's saying uh, of what they used to be, okay, this is who you used to be, so that in contrast he can show them uh, what they have become and what ultimately God is, is making them into. And remember, uh, this is the church in Ephesus, okay? And uh, this is largely a, uh, a Gentile church, a non-Jewish uh, believers. And he wants to tell them something really important, that they, they are not second-class citizens, okay? They haven't uh, just kind of been let into um, this family through the back door, right? It's not a, f- a matter of Jew first and then Gentile. No, he wants them to see something much, much more profound, all right? And um, and it's good for us to know because um, you're either Gentile or you're Jew, okay? Either Gentile or Jew. That's uh, pretty much you either fall in one of those two categories. And my guess this morning is that most of us fall into the category of Gentile, okay? So it's good for us to know that, hey, we haven't just been let in through the back door, that um, that actually uh, we're at the very heart of what God is is doing in his church, all right? That he is creating this new humanity, Jew and Gentile. Uh, that is his church through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, and so what we're doing this morning is that passage of Scripture, it's quite helpful if you just break it up. Uh, Paul says, uh, uh, therefore, uh, he says he looks back, and then he says, but now, all right, this is who you are right now. And then he says, so then, all right? So we're going to break it up. What we were looking back and then what we are now and what, uh, what we are growing into. So this is what we were. He says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, okay? alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Right? The Jewish people often refer to the Gentiles as the, uncircum- as the uncircumcised, people who are not part of the, the chosen race, the special people. Remember uh, the story of David and Goliath. Right, uh, David goes and his brothers are on the, on the battlefield. They're fighting the Philistines and this is kind of like a showdown and Goliath, this uh, Philistine champion is there and, and David takes his brothers some food and, and he sees this guy and he's, he, he looks and everyone's too scared to fight him and he says, like, who, is this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Right? What did he mean? He meant, he meant God's not with him. God's not with him because circumcision was the, the sign that was given to God's the, the chosen nation, the, the special people called the Israelites. And, um, and why were they unique? Why were, why were they unique? Remember how the story of the Bible starts, right? God created the heavens and the earth, right? And he created mankind to worship him. We were created to be in awe of him, to have our hearts just filled by who he is, to follow him, to almost in a sense we were uh, co-creators with God, just bringing flourishing to this creation, to uh, the world. And what did we do? We decided to turn away from God, right? We turned our back on him. We turned and decided we were going to follow ourselves. We wanted to put ourselves into the place of God. 
And what happened was that sin and distraction and evil and suffering and brokenness uh, entered into creation and entered uh, into humanity. That is our biggest problem, is that we turned away from God. And as St. Augustine says, that, that sin caused us to be bent in over ourselves, like curved in, in where we were meant to be outward focused. Like worshiping God, uh, we became inward focused, crooked and bent and distorted creation became distorted. And that's the, that's our biggest problem. And right from the beginning though, God makes this promise and he says that he will bring uh, salvation and rescue and restoration. And, uh, and what he does is he makes a promise with a guy by the name of Abraham. Okay. And he says through him and his family, Right, he's going to bring peace and he's going to bring restoration. Not because uh, Abraham deserved it in any way or this family was special in any way. It's just God in his sovereignty decided that this is the way that he was going to uh, bring salvation. Right, And he makes a covenant with him. He says, uh, I will be your God and you will be my people. And he gives them the law. right? And the law would separate uh, this special group of people from all the other tribes and all the other nations in the, in, in, on the earth. Right? And he says, if they follow the, this law, it would show others uh, what God is like, that God is holy. Okay? And one of the most amazing promise, promises that God makes this family is that one day, right, that they would be a savior, a rescuer, a redeemer, a prince of peace who would ultimately bring restoration. Okay? We think of Isaiah 9 verse 6 that says, for, us, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, So these incredible promises that are made to this family, and, uh, and, and God, God promises that through them they would take the presence of God into the world by following this law, that God would be with them, right? And God would almost bring uh, flourishing and restoration through this family by them taking his presence into the world. And so David, standing on the battlefield, knows this. He knows, hey, God's with me. God's with me. God's not with this uh, giant that's standing before me. And what does he do? He picks up a couple of stones and he takes this guy out, Right? takes his guide. And what Paul is writing to the Gentiles, he's saying, hey guys, you were like Goliath. Right? God wasn't with you. God wasn't with you. You were not part of the special family. You were outside of this covenantal promise that God made, that God would bless them and that he would be with them, that he would be their God. You were, that you were outside of those promises, right? Those words that uh, in chapter 12 where it says, hey, you were, you were like Goliath. You, were, you had no hope and you were without God. Right? That's our past. That's where we come from. All right. And then he goes, this is our next point, what we are now. Right. What has happened? What are we now? And there are those two amazing words. But now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All right. Have you had a but now moment in your life? Um, I remember I was uh, 12 years old, and um, one Saturday morning, my oldest brother, he had come to faith, and um, he invited me, or he took me to this like kids' church ministry um, event that was happening, and I didn't really want to go, and I remember standing there to one side, and it was just, it was a really average, you know, event, just a bunch of kids singing songs, there was a guy up front playing guitar, um, nothing strange, um, and I just felt like this urge, I stood there, and I felt this urge just to lift up my hands, you know, and I was like... I don't want to do that. That's strange, you know. Um, 
But it just felt this like tug in my heart. And eventually I just closed my eyes. No one prayed for me or anything like that. I just lifted up my hands, 12 years old, um, and I just fell over. It's amazing. I've never seen anything like that. It wasn't happening to anyone else around in the room. It just stood there and I think, like fell over, this little boy. And, um, and for about two hours I was on the floor, you know, and I had, I had a but God moment. Like his Holy Spirit came and, and uh, worked in me. And I remember just like crying and laughing. And, and I got um, up off the floor and it was like someone had switched on the light in my life. I remember um, going to school that next um, week and like, you know, break time, just trying to get guys to come and pray. You know, it's just, you know, I wanted them to experience what I'd experienced. It was like prayer meeting. We're having a revival meeting on the Lord, you know, on the field and cricket pitch come and, you know. Um, but it was, it, 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 was in, it was incredible. I had a bad God moment. You know, I had a bad God moment in my life. You read um, stories of you know, people who walk and they pick up like a, a gospel tract that's you know, torn and it's just got a fragment of the gospel of Scripture and God changes their lives. All right? I was chatting to um, a couple in our community um, and uh, the wife, um, the, you know, complete atheist growing up and... Um, Goes to Alpha, does Alpha last year actually, and in the prayer meeting she just comes to faith and changed, changed, changed. Her family's being changed. Her sister, she's going to her sister saying, this, this is incredible, this is what, what has happened in my life. But God, but God, have you had a but God moment in your life? Right, and I know for some of us it's a, you know, it's an instant moment, some of us it might be over a period of time, but we need to have a but God moment in your life, right? This is, where you were, this is what God has done, powerfully working in your life, and this is who you are now. All right, so let's read. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, right? By the blood of Christ. He's saying the Gentiles were far off, okay? The Israelites were near. That's the description there. Now, back then, it was actually possible, if you were a Gentile, um, to be kind of adopted into Judaism or, or go into Judaism um, as your faith. But so you had to do a lot of things. You had to follow um, like a bunch of ordinances. You had to, um, there were ceremonial washings that you needed to undergo and follow the Sabbath and just a number of ordinances that you needed to do in order to be, um, in order to be incorporated into Judaism. Um, but what Paul is saying here is that you've been brought in through something completely outside of yourself. Right? This is not your own behavior that is bringing you into this family of God, but through the blood of Christ. Look at verse 14. It says, yeah, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. So what does Paul mean by all of this? What does he mean by this dividing wall uh, of hostility? He's speaking about the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles um, at that time, right? The Jews were chosen. What made them special is they had the law, right? That is what set them apart. And, uh, and there was this incredible hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, right? They would call each other names. I mean, the Jews had a, they would, they would call the Gentiles dogs, you know, you Gentile dogs, all right? And, um, and so there was this, this, this hostility, right? This one group, uh, 
looking down on another group. And uh, that is what Paul is referring to, that there's this, almost like this wall of hostility. And it was the law that set these guys, that they, they held on to the law. The Jews in some way, in, in, in some ways just said, okay, we've got this law. And they used almost a gift that God had given them to elevate you know, themselves and to, instead of, of, of showing God's presence to, the, to, um, to people around them, they use it as a way to look down on people, right, uh, on Gentiles. And um, so there was this wall of hostility. There was also a physical wall, actually, uh, just a massive wall around the temple area uh, in Jerusalem. In fact, um, archaeologists in 1871, just on the outside of, the, of this massive wall, they found a sign, all right, that read, no man of another race, okay, is to enter within the enclosure around this temple. Whoever is caught will only have himself to thank for the death which is to follow, okay? So you've got God's presence, you know, the temple, you've got all the outer courts, and then there's this massive wall, and it's saying, hey, if you're not of this faith, you are, you cannot enter, right? In a sense, Gentiles, the closest you could get was in the parking lot, okay? Um, so there's this incredible uh, hostility, and it says that Christ, uh, Christ has come and made peace. He abolished in his flesh this dividing wall. He has broken down the very thing that divided uh, these two groups of people. How did he do that? By abolishing the law uh, of commandments expressed in ordinances, right? But dealing with the very thing that separated these two groups of people, the law. How? Through his death, okay? Through his death. That is what happened uh, on the cross, okay? The law was given to show, in a sense, God's holiness and to show our sinfulness, okay? So God is absolutely holy, right? And uh, if for example, in, I mean, if you think about it this way, in one corner you've got God who is, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, he is, um, he's all powerful, he has existed for all eternity past, uh, he is holy, right? He's got thousands of angels, uh, seven days a week, just shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord uh, God Almighty. And in the other cor- corner you've got us, you've got you and me, right? And we not on omnipresent, we're not omniscient, we're not all-powerful, right? We haven't existed for all eternity past. We are sinful and broken, and we do not have thousands of angels uh, shouting holy, holy, holy um, to us, okay? And so the law shows that, that God is holy and that we fall short, right? And so uh, in a sense, the law would always call us to more, would call people to more, and people, uh, the Jews, would uh, were never able to completely uh, measure up to the requirements of the law. And so what does Christ do? What does Christ do? Christ takes on flesh, right? He becomes that perfect human and he meets the righteous requirements of the Lord. The sin could not, the law could not find him out, right? Because there was no sin in him. It says that God um, made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we could be the righteousness of God. Right, where the law required us to do more and to be more and to jump through hoots and not not do this and do that, right? In Christ, Christ has done it all, and that's why the first chapter of this letter is so incredible. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, right? The right the requirements of the law have been met in Jesus. That's why Paul can say we are not under law, but we are under grace. So the very thing that separated those two groups of people, Christ came and he dealt with it. All right, So that no one can boast. No one can boast. You can only boast. Like Paul preached last week, we can only boast in Christ. In Christ. Okay? In Christ you are not 
under the law, but you are under grace. God made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we can become the righteousness of God. God provided the lamb, right? He provided the lamb. Think of that story of Abraham and Isaac, where Abraham is about to uh, sacrifice his son Isaac, and he turns around and God provided a lamb. And in the same way, God provided a lamb for us. All right? His blood that washes us clean, up the punishment for our sin, the wrath of God poured out on Christ so that in Christ we can be the righteousness of God. So no one can boast. Gentiles cannot boast. Jews cannot boast because none of us actually met up to the righteous requirements of the law. Only Christ uh, did that, right? And that's why Christ broke down this dividing wall uh, in his flesh. It's abolished. It's obsolete. My behavior doesn't justify me. No, it's Jesus. And he says to you, my peace is yours. Right? My life is yours. My joy I give to you. The law required us to do more and not do this and do that. Christ says, no, I give, I give you my spirit. My spirit will change you from the inside. So Paul is saying, hey, this division is gone. It's been dealt with. He has broken down the wall in his, in his flesh. And so he's done that. So we don't have to be as Jewish as we possibly can, right? God isn't creating uh, Jewish Gentiles or Gentile Jews. Now look at verse 15. He says that he might create in himself one new man, okay? One new man in place of two, so making peace, right? In Christ, God isn't making us slightly better. The gospel doesn't come and make you slightly better, just a kind of better version of yourself, all right? No, in Christ, you are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, Jew and Gentile new creation, making one uh, out of two. Hey, isn't it amazing that that's the, that's the church that God is creating, this new humanity. It doesn't matter what background you have or where you come from or what race or what culture or what class or what school you went to. Christ is, God is creating a new humanity. That's the church. Unbelievable diversity. God loves diversity. It's just that thinking of the different churches in, uh, across the world. You know, the church, I was watching a video, just a church in, um, in, the, in the Philippines, just this incredible revival that's breaking out there. A church in China, all over Africa, just diverse, diverse churches. Once uh, we were in um, uh, Malawi when I was younger on like this mission trip, and um, I just remember being in one of the churches, and they've got a lot of dancing that's happening during their worship, you know, which is, which is amazing. You know, we don't want everyone to worship exactly the same way, all our preachers to sound exactly the same. No diversity. It's amazing, right? Not uniformity. God doesn't want us all to be exactly the same. God loves diversity, man. And, um, and there's something inside of us, isn't there, that, that will take something about ourselves and elevate it, and we use it to look down um, on other people. We so often do that. And what this passage says is, hey, there's no, there's no room for that in the church, right? We can't boast in anything but Christ. In Christ, he's creating a new man, a new humanity, and they'll be completely diverse. Isn't it amazing? The church is really amazing. Hey, guys? Amen. Verse 16. All right, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Right? We've been reconciled both to God that way and we've been reconciled to one another. We should be a people 
um, of reconciliation, right? Because we have experienced reconciliation. We've been reconciled um, to God. That is the purpose of the gospel. If you think 1 Peter 3, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Right? That's what happened. That's what's happened here. It's, the, it's Christ on a cross, dying for sins, ultimately to bring us to the Father. And that's what it says in verse 18. Right? This for me is, is one of the highlight verses of this entire passage. For through him, through Christ, we both have access. Right? We both have access, Jew, Gentile, uh, in one spirit to the Father. Isn't it amazing? The Trinity in that verse. Through Christ, we all, doesn't matter where you come from, right? we all have access through the Spirit to the Father. Through Christ, not through our own behavior, not through, um, not through the law, all right? not through doing this or not doing that. Through Christ, through His blood, through His death on the cross, we have access by the Spirit to the Father. No longer is the presence of God just in the, mo- the most holy place in that temple where we were in the parking lot. Hey? No, we've got access through Christ by the Spirit to the Father. How we can sit here right now and say, God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence right now. Thank you that we can come before you. Thank you that we can pray and communicate. Thank you that you hear us, Lord, and that you speak to us. Thank you that we have been reconciled to you. Thank you for the peace that we have with you and the peace that we have with one another. Through Christ, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. All right. Okay, so that's what's happened. That's who we are. Let's have a look at what we are growing into. All right, Paul says this. He says, so then, okay, so so then, right, he looked back and he said, this is what has happened. This is who you are right now. Okay, now, because of all of this, all right, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay, so Paul, um, he, he brings out these three, he uses these three images to describe the church. Okay, what are the three images? He speaks about a nation, all right? He says that we are citizens. He speaks about a household. We are members of the same household. And then he paints this picture of a temple, that we're a living temple with God's presence and his spirit uh, inside of us, okay? And they're incredibly important pictures of the church, and um, I don't know if you've no- if you noticed, but each one of those pictures is actually more intense than uh, the other one. All right, so they they grow. There's a growing intensity. Nation, household, temple. Okay, uh, and there's a there's a growing intention intensity in terms of our relationship with God. That's what Paul is saying, right? As a church, growing intensity with with our relationship with God. If uh, if you're a citizen of a country, uh, you might be kilometers away from uh, from the president or the king uh, if you're living in uh, if in if you're in the same household you might uh, be meters away from your father and then there's this picture of the temple right god's presence isn't just uh, close to those stones god's presence is within those stones it t- there's almost no space at all in the same way um paul says hey there's also a growing intensity or growing um an increase in our relationship 
with one another in terms of what he is doing in the church. Okay, if you're citizens of the same uh, country, right, you may live kilometers away from one another. If you are brother and sister in the same household, you may just be living meters away uh, from one another. And those stones, that picture of that temple, uh, there's no space uh, between uh, those stones, right? Those stones are cemented um, into one another. And Paul points out that there's a force that shapes us and unites us in each one of these pictures that he's painting, right? In a picture of a, uh, of, of a nation, right? There's a force that shapes us and unites us. I remember um, living in the UK a couple of years ago and um, just hearing someone else speak with a South African accent, right? I think that we were in the shop. It was like 1991, so there weren't that many South Africans in the UK. Just hearing someone speak in an Afrikaans accent, and it was like, what? You're South, Af- you're South African, right? There's something that unites us. Like, you love brying. We love brying, you know? We love rugby and crickets. Maybe not so much crickets. But um, all sports, actually. But uh, there's, something, there's something that unites us. Okay, there's something that unites us. We're both uh, shaped by this force that we're from the same culture, from the same country. Um, think about the picture of a family, right? Think about the strength of the force that unites us and that shapes us, the family that you grew in, the, the bond that you have with a sibling. And in this, this picture of the temple, right, that, that's an even stronger force. And what Paul is actually saying is that, hey, the gospel is the strongest shaping force uh, in someone's life. And it's the strongest uniting force that unites us uh, to one another, right? We are united to one another by this incredible force that is called the gospel, that is Christ. And if you think about it, the gospel, it changes everything about you, doesn't it? It changes uh, your future, eternity. It changes the way that you think about yourself. It, it changes you. The Spirit works inside of you and changes your desires. It changes who you are becoming as a person who you are growing into. It changes your worldview, right? the way that you look at the world. So the gospel is this incredibly strong shaping force um, in our lives. right? And that's why it's sometimes possible you, for Christians to meet someone who is maybe from a totally different country and uh, not in the same household as you, but you uh, have this incredibly strong bond with them because they're a Christ follower. They're a follower of Christ. Isn't it amazing? I was um, walking into work the other day, and um, so a new guy that had started, and uh, we, met, we happened to park at the same time, and we walked into work together, and it was a Monday, and we were just speaking, and, and I asked him about his weekend, and he said, yeah, we you know, went to church. I was like, what? You're a Christian. I was like, I'm a Christian. That's amazing. You know, and we were like, what? Is that what? Tell me more. And we, you know, get up to our desk and he sends me a message like, oh, have you listened to this guy? It's amazing. Listen to this podcast. But it's amazing. It's this, this bond, you know, that, that there is between um, Christ followers. There's no more powerful force that shapes you uh, than the gospel, right? It completely changes our lives. And what Paul is saying, all right, what Paul is saying is if you think of this picture of as stones that have been cemented together, right? Yes, we are growing, all right? That's what discipleship is. We're growing in our relationship with God, but we're equally growing in our relationship with one another, right? In our unity with one another. I think that's one of the things you can ask about yourself. Am I growing in my relationship with God? Is, is maybe ask the question, am I growing in my love for others? Okay, am I growing in my relationships um, with, uh, with people in my community, where God has placed me. 
And so maybe one of the questions we've got to ask is how deep, how deep should those relationships be? Hey? Let's put a couple of markers out. I would say deep enough to the point of, of accountability, right? Personal accountability. And we see that in, a, in the image of the household. Um, I grew up with three brothers in the same household. They knew everything about me, okay? You couldn't hide. Uh, facades don't work in a household. They know your strengths and your weaknesses, and so I think that the image that Paul is, is painting here is, hey, there should be people that know what's going on in your life, right? That know what are your besetting sins and the things that you are struggling with. So deepen those relationships to the, to the point of spiritual and personal accountability. Deepen them to the point of, of uh, radical um, hospitality and generosity. Right? Just think of that image of a home as well. Things are shared, Okay. Uh, you sit around a dinner table. You spend time with one another. And so often we think generosity, okay, uh, finances. But, man, for l- life in a city, so often you know, generosity needs to be in the form of time. You know, we hold on to our time so tightly. Sometimes it's easier to part with our money than it is to our time because our time is so precious. right? And sometimes we just need to be generous with our time and get around dinner tables. And this picture, what this picture actually paints is it's so much more than just showing up for an event and carrying on you know, doing your thing. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a relational depth that um, Paul is speaking about here. Right? Here's the third thing. Deepen them to the point of experiencing God's presence together. That our relationship should be so deep that we're experiencing God's presence together as a family. Right? As a community. That's just the image of the temple. Right? The image that Paul is painting, it's not just this individual stone that is experiencing God's presence by itself. No, there's a, there's a temple. Living stones together, God's presence indwelling those stones, that living temple, which is the body of Christ, uh, together. Uh, there was a time in my life where I thought, hey man, this is about me and God, right? I don't need the church, I don't need community, I don't need people in my life. And my relationship with God became very one-dimensional, very one-dimensional, right? We need diversity, we need people in our lives. Like, I know God better because I know Drew and you know, sometimes elders meetings will sit and pray together, and I'll hear how he prays. You know, or Polly. Um, so it's we we communi- It's in community, right, that we see different aspects of God, which is amazing, right. And so God is a communal God, and it just speaks to the importance of what it means to be plugged into community, to have those deep relationships, to be praying together, to be sharing our lives together, to be opening our lives together. Right? I want to almost say that the, the, the degree to what um, you're experiencing God's presence and his power working in your life is the degree to which you are growing in those deep personal relationships in this community. And I'm not saying that you have to be in a church, you have to be in a community to be saved, no. But I'm saying this is what the picture is that Paul is painting, that there's an importance to community, that God is a design around community. He wants us to experience his fullness uh, in community, right? And so you may look at this and you may say, okay, well, Steph, this is the this is the picture that you're painting. This intense, like radical love and generosity and uh, unity um, that's that we read in the Bible that we should be seeing in the church. But realistically, you know, I'm over here. I don't I don't really feel that connectedness. I don't really feel that strong bond with um, people um, in my community, right? What should we do, right? How can we, how can we 
um, deal with this in a sense? How can we move forward? Is it a, is it a matter of, of behavior modification? We just got to try harder. You just need to show up for more events, all right? No, it's not. It's not. We need our hearts changed. We need our hearts changed for this type of love to flow out of our lives, right? We, we speak about prejudices and, 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 and laying those aside and, and loving people. Man, we need our hearts changed. We really need our hearts changed. And, um, and the key, the key word here is that word cornerstone. That Christ is the cornerstone. Let Christ be the cornerstone of your life. You know, the cornerstone was the most important stone. The stone that was put down first, okay, and all other stones were shaped to fit into um, that cornerstone. So it almost set the boundaries of, of the building, okay? And so stones were, were, were molded according to the cornerstone, so they would fit into one another and so that they would fit into the cornerstone. And so, friends, how do we, how do we have that relational depth in our lives? We make Christ the cornerstone of your life. Let him be the center of your life. Look to Jesus, right? Let the gospel, bring it to bear on your hearts. Look to him. Look to Jesus. Um, Paul, in speaking about this cornerstone, was referring to a prophecy in um, Isaiah 28 verse 16, where it says that, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of sure Salvation. I was speaking to about Jesus, that he would be the rock upon which the church is built, that he would be the rock, the foundation upon which this new humanity, this united humanity, this new man, both Jew and Gentile, would be created and grafted into. He would be the foundation uh, of this family, right? And how would Christ bring salvation? Think about Psalm 118 verse 22 that says, The stone which the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone, right? The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Christ would bring salvation by rejection, okay? He would be rejected by us. Uh, He would be rejected by uh, his father, this household that he had been in for all eternity past, this loving relationship. Uh, Christ took on flesh. He entered into the mess of humanity, this brokenness. He lived the perfect life. He was our sacrifice, paid the price for God's wrath. God's wrath was appeased, okay? And he was cast out. He was cast out so that we would be brought into the family of God. He became a stranger, right, so that we could be called sons and daughters. So friends, I want to I say look to Jesus. Let that, let that be uh, the blazing center of your life, right? If you want to love more deeply, if you want to experience the gospel in the community, come to Christ. Look to him. Can I ask you to stand? I'd love to pray for us and I'm going to sing one final song of worship. Yeah, God, we this morning we want to come before you and God, we want to bring our hearts to you. Uh, we want to thank you just for the beauty of the church and what you are creating. That, um, yeah, God, that in a sense we, we carry your presence. We are presence carriers. Um, that we've been grafted into this family, that we can be called sons and, and daughters this morning. But you are holy and you made a plan, Lord, even in our brokenness and the fact that we turn away from you so often, you were relentless in your pursuit of our hearts. So God, we thank you. Christ, we thank you that through you, by the Spirit, this morning we've got access to the Father. 
creator of the heavens and the earth, the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, we thank you for your love, that you love us, that you love us, that we get to be recipients of that love and we didn't deserve it. We haven't earned it in any way. And so, God, we want to come before you. We so often just live for our own kingdoms. We live for ourselves. We buy into the message of our city and of our culture. And so, God, we come and we want to bring our hearts to you this morning as a community, as a church in the city. Christ, come and be the cornerstone. Christ, come and be the, the, the shaping force of our lives. God, we worship you. I want to pray for just every person here this morning, Lord. I just want to specifically pray for people who are just feeling they're on the outskirts of this family of God in a sense. I want to pray for breakthrough. I want to pray just for the gospel to take root, God. God, won't you come and breathe life, Lord. We worship you. We worship you for who you are. We praise your holy name. You are glorious and magnificent and wonderful. We worship you, God. Amen. Let's sing.